Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you going, Gem? Are you rested and ready for round one? Yes. Uh, it is afternoon, but somehow I'm still tired. I think COVID anxiety is, is making me tired. Um, but no, very excited about footy. I have coffee here, so I'll perk up as this goes on. Excellent. It could also be the uh, the post-holiday season fatigue slowly wearing off. Definitely is uh, in that magical period where we don't know what day it is. Uh, but it is 2022 and round one is less than a week away. We are that excited for footy that we couldn't resist putting out another bonus pod, <laughs> a preview of round one. Now, no teams have been named, so uh, we're going off a bit of a team vibe per se. But let's have a look at what's fixtured for round one. We're kicking things off with the season opener down in Frankston. St Kilda are hosting Richmond Friday, January 7th with first bounce at quarter past seven Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, AEDT. It looks to be a fairly unusual season opener as we've all been chatting about since the fixture came out. Uh, But probably one of the most exciting things that we've got our eye on is the midfield battle. Yeah, I think the the midfield battle is a really interesting one with this. Obviously, it's not the season opener anyone expected, but it is what we're getting. So it is what it is. Um, <laughs> the Saints are obviously without their two most important mids, so Tiana Smith and George Patrikios. So in 2021, Smith and Patrikios were number one and four at the Saints for disposals, number one and two at the Saints for clearances, and number one and two at the Saints for inside 50s. There's some pretty big holes. Massive holes, and, and they're probably their most dynamic midfielders. So you know, Rosie Dillon is great, but she's a, a very specific type of player. Olivia Vesely, similar. Um, we don't know how Nicola Zenos is tracking, whether she'll even play much midfield. So they have lost a bit of that maybe agility, that that move through the pack, um, that, that smooth moving type of player, really skillful player. So that is a really big concern. And then you flip it and you look at Richmond. They found some real consistency in their midfield last year with, you know, Ellen McKenzie and Sarah Hoskin coming in to support Monique Conti. Mm. No longer is all the weight on one player's shoulders. So I think that midfield battle is going to be where the competition starts and ends for this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, not just the loss of those key midfielders for the Saints, but also a lot of those names that you mentioned are coming in from injury or an extended period of time away playing together. So I I guess I wonder, have they had enough time to gel, especially when stacking up against that pretty experienced midfield from, from the Tigers? We'll just have to wait and see on that front. I'm interested to see how the two coaches stack up for this round too. 
Uh, obviously, Nick Del Santo is new for St Kilda and Ryan Ferguson's in his second term with the Tigers. So hopefully with a year under his belt, there'll be a bit more consistency in his game strategies for the Tigers. And yeah, I mean, I guess Del Santo is a real wild card for how St Kilda might play. Yeah, and there's a really interesting thing that we've seen, uh, probably less coach related, but very relevant because obviously both teams joined the competition in the same year. In 2020, Richmond's defense was very loose. They averaged um, 53.7 points against a game, which is a massive score to regularly be giving up. Mm. And the Saints conceded just 20 games, so four, four or five goals a game, which was the least of any of the four new clubs that came in. Coming into 2021, though, Richmond conceded two goals less per game than they did the previous year, yeah. whereas the Saints conceded 15 points more per game than they did the previous year. So while the Tigers have tightened up in defense and found more ways to score, the Saints did the exact opposite of that. And I think that's a real concern for St Kilda. So do you put all your eggs in one basket? Do you focus everything on defense? Because we know the Tigers do have a fairly potent forward line if they've got them set up in the right way. Mm. Or do you just focus on defense, not attack, and kind of make the game hard to watch? That's what I'm curious about what the Saints will do. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that they'll play their best football, like the kind of football we saw in round one last year. But obviously, like we discussed, that's without two key midfielders, a bit of a shake-up in the middle, and a few new faces on deck as well. So hopefully it all comes together for the Saints this season. Now, game two, North Melbourne hosting Geelong at Arden Street on Saturday, January 8th at 10 past 5 AEDT. This one's going to be really interesting. Both teams had very strong showings in their practice matches. The Roos especially scored quite a lot against the Doggies in their, in their pracky. Geelong also scored well and took out the game from Richmond. But I guess last season we saw Geelong really struggling to convert and push the ball into their scoring 50. So do you think they might have solved that problem this year, Jim? It's quite interesting. So Geelong was the second worst scoring side in AFLW history last year with 18.2 points on average a game. Yeah. So they were they were averaging three goals a game, which again, second worst in history. Ouch. Also interesting, for the second time in their three years of the competition, Geelong delisted their leading goal kicker. So in 2019, Mira Clifford was their leading goal kicker and she was delisted. And then obviously 2021, um, Rochelle Cranston. It feels like they've recruited to fix that problem. Yeah. But it remains to be seen how they play those players. So some more development from Olivia Barber and Stephanie Williams, super important. That I think showed a little bit in their practice match. And if those players can do that in game, then they very much hold up that forward line. And then ideally players have come in to allow Phoebe Williams to stay forward, mm. which is what they need rather than her getting the ball upfield and then having no one to kick to. And the other one coming in who I really like the look of is Claudia Gunjaka. So if she can stay at home, support McWilliams as the key target and then have those others around, they do have the potential. And then the other thing is how are they getting it in there? So, you know, a Prosparkus, a Zali for as well, plays like that on top of Amy McDonald's improvement. There is potential that can fix that. But the concern is that they have to do it against North Melbourne. And I don't know that they can do it against North Melbourne. Yeah, and the Cats showed some real promise in their pracky. There's been a focus on consistency and fitness in the preseason, and that definitely saw some dividends paid in that match. But you're right. It's a tough one. The last time they met last season, it was uh, it was pretty brutal. One of my favourite things happened with Emma King 
bagging three goals, uh, which was pretty impressive for a ruck. But uh, hopefully it's a little bit more competitive this time. Yeah, so that was in round one 2021 down at Cadinia Park. And for some reason I had it in my head for the past week and a half that this one was also going to be at Cadinia Park. It is not. It's at Arden Street. <laughs> North Melbourne recorded their biggest ever win. They piled on 11 goals to Geelong's one. North Melbourne is one of the most prolific scoring sides in the competition, and they are the only team to average 40 or more points a game in each of the last three seasons. So that's obviously been a focus of theirs. They are able to score very heavily. It's the opposite of what Geelong's been able to do. So I feel like this will be a similar question for another new coach Mm. in terms of does Dan Lowther park the bus, try to limit the damage? Or does he try to get his players to take risks, even if they get hurt when those risks don't come off? Well, there's only a limited amount of time to figure out the best combination. And it's a worthy opponent to do against in the ruse. Some classy football there. I'm really looking forward to seeing Nina Morrison back on the pitch. Not sure if that will happen in round one, but all all things look good. She's been training really well uh, with her amazing mullet in in the preseason. And also, like most people, looking forward to seeing um, Georgie Prasparkas out there in the hoops as well. Game three of the week is what we thought was going to be the season opener. What we hoped was going to be the season opener. (laughs) I mean, it's almost there. Baby steps. But uh, that is, of course, the Hampson Hardeman Cup. The Bulldogs are hosting Melbourne at Whitnoval on Saturday, January 8th at 7 o'clock AEDT. It's going to be a big one. I'm really excited about this game. Aside from the fact that it's just up the street and I can wander down when it's time for ball up, it is going to be really interesting to see how these two take it to each other and who will come away with the cup at the end of the day. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know Hampson Hardeman Cup, is named after two pioneers of women's footy in Victoria. And it's played between uh, Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs because those were the two clubs that competed in those exhibition matches, just in case anyone's wondering what it is. Last time they played, Melbourne did everything right except kick accurately a goal, Mm -hmm. whereas the Dogs took their chances. So the scoreline, Melbourne ended up kicking 2-12 to the Dogs 6-1. So Melbourne had twice as many scoring shots as the dogs did, but lost the game by 13 points. I imagine this will be hanging over the demons heads as they return to Whitnoval where that game happened as well. Um, And the other thing to consider is the pressure is on Melbourne here. Everyone's saying Melbourne's the team to win the flag. They've stopped to do that. This is their chance, all that sort of stuff. Whereas I think a lot of people are giving the, the dogs time. They've seen they've had some injuries during off-season. They've seen that they're they're the third youngest team in the comp. They've got, I think, 15 players, 21 or under from the 1st of Jan. Mm. So the pressure is on Melbourne. So I think the eyes will be on them to see how they handle that and whether that pressure causes them to kick 212 again or whether that sees them, you know, sort themselves out and get it right this time. And and the fact that it is back at Wintnoble as well, interesting extra element to this. Yeah, absolutely. There's a passionate West-based crowd that'll be around that for sure. Oh, don't worry. My whole family is going and they will all be supporting Melbourne. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, they are a really young side, the dogs, and also arguably up against a very finals-focused Ds, whether they're thinking about that internally or it's just all of the external pressure. I'm really excited to see how they'll match up 
it's probably unlikely to happen. I'm very interested to see Amanda Ling tangle with Karen Paxman in the centre. Um, might have to wait and see how that one pans out. But definitely one thing that I'm really, really keen to see, and I'd be very surprised if they didn't play her, uh, but it's um, Taylor Harris and her impact for the Ds up front. That might solve their kicking straight problem, Jim. Um, but also, I guess, my other curiosity in that is who are the dogs going to task in defence to subdue her? It's funny because Taylor Harris has an exactly 50% scoring efficiency. <laughs> uh, 29 goals, 29 behinds of her career. So um, That's a nice stat. There, there are more accurate kicks in the competition. <laughs> but uh, the dogs have been dealing with some injuries during preseason, particularly in their defensive line. I think a few of their first-choice backline may be touch and go at the moment as to whether they play round one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Elise Gamble is a player who very few people talk about. She wasn't selected for round one last year. She came in and she had a massive impact throughout the season. And what we've seen of her preseason this year in the intra-club and in the practice match, she is their number one key defender. Yeah, She can get the job done. I think she'll be the one with whichever key forward Melbourne has there coming out of the... Um, goal square as as the game rotates so you know it might be Taylor Harris at one point it might be Eden Zanker it might be Kate Hoare all sorts of different players will go through and start it from that goal square and I think Elise Gamble will be the player to get that Melbourne's most dangerous forward at any time but the thing for Melbourne is they now have the spoilt for choice with those key forwards oh yeah Melbourne is the tallest side in the competition this year with an average of 172.6 centimetres, which I think, don't quote me on this, but I think it's the tallest list competition has seen today. Yeah, well, they've got two very, very tall people um, pushing that that average up for sure. Well, they have the two tallest players in the competition. Yeah. <laughs> um, neither of whom have debuted yet. Um, but the Western Bulldogs are the fourth shorter side. And I have spoken to a couple of dogs players and something that without me even saying anything, something that a lot of the dogs players have said was they're so tall. So the dogs are going to want to get the ball on the ground and Mm -hmm. do that that way. So that's probably what you see, will see the dogs trying to do, get the ball to ground so they can dominate in that way. Melbourne will keep that kick mark, long kicks inside 50 contestant mark game going. Yeah, when you rattled off those names, I was like, oh, that, that's, a, that's a forward line to, to tangle with for sure. And then I think about, yeah, the players in the Bulldogs side. They're definitely really strong-bodied up-and-under footballers. So it'll be a, a really interesting matchup uh, on that basis alone. Game number four in round one, Brio versus West Coast at Fremantle Oval on Saturday, January 8th. It's on at 8.50 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or at 5.50 at Australian Western Standard Time. This one's going to be really interesting. I mean, obviously it was a a late refixture thanks to our good friend COVID. Uh, It is a game for points this time, but essentially a repeat of our practice match pre-Christmas, which was was really quite surprising, in my opinion. I was not expecting the Eagles to fire like that, and there was a lot of young talent that really, I guess, made a, a, a statement in that game. I think the really big difference about the Eagles from that practice match, and, and we're making assumptions, you know, practice matches and everything, teams mm. don't show all their wares, but um, 
the Eagles have typically, especially in 2020 when they had Hooker and Swanson in for the whole season, typically really strong contested game, but don't know how to transition that to outside ball movement. Whereas in that practice match, they were dominating at the stoppage and then able to actually use it and control it on the outside. And that is the biggest improvement we've seen in that side um, since they started was not just control the ball in the contested situation, but actually control it when there is a chance to make genuine ball movement forward. I didn't say that very well. Sorry. So <laughs> the thing that is, can they do it in a genuine aim for points? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no reason if, if they can just keep doing what they were doing, there's no reason to think that they can't because they have the personnel that they didn't have before. Yeah. Um, you know, a Bella Lewis who is only 19, but she's a superstar. Michaela Bowen sitting out on the wing and knowing when to go and when not to go is she's a superstar as well. And then Hooker being back, Swanson being back, that maturity. And Ashling McCarthy, who can play contestable, can play on the outside, can offer both of those things. So I think starting to get that really good balance. And then there's a player called Charlie Thomas. Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention her too. <laughs> she was yeah. incredible in that practice match. So much confidence for such a, a new player. She's so skillful. Her kicking inside 50 was the thing that really stood out that I'm really excited for. Um, the thing with the Eagles last year, they took the third fewest marks inside 50 in AFLW history in the 2021 season. Yeah. Um, this was kind of due to a combination of their forwards not staying at home. So their forwards were getting up the field and then there was no one there to kick to when they did win the ball. And then also the kicks inside, the delivery inside 50 wasn't great. Um, but now with a player like Charlie Thomas able to deliver it, they've bolstered, obviously they're having players come back from injury helps, but they've also bolstered, you know, those wing roles, that midfield role. They, they'll have forwards that can stay forward and they have the players that can now efficiently deliver it to them. So I think that's going to be mm. a really big difference for them. Yeah, it was a huge difference in that practice match. And, and like you say, you know, if they keep playing like that, it's going to lead to some good things for the for the Eagles for sure. Um, do you think Freo might have been keeping their cards a little bit close to their chest? How do you reckon they'll go? Oh, I think you can never judge Freo until you actually <laughs> see them in a game. Yeah, a game for points. Yeah, as much as certain people try to tell me not to worry about this, I'm still concerned about, the, how the forward line is going to come together because that practice match did show that the connection between the midfield and the forward line wasn't where it needed to be. But again, Amy Franklin spent half the game in defense. Different players were running through there. Players were playing their first ever game, first ever practice match. I want to see how that forward line operates. Um, and then I will jump on them or not <laughs> you reserve your right to hold your comments. yes and I know I'm going to get many messages from many people after saying that but I'm still uh waiting yeah yeah and obviously as we've seen the picture was redone to account for the inability to move easily into Western Australia this is probably going to be one of the only chances or one of the few chances that fans of both clubs get to watch their team live this season at this point, the fixture suggests round eight will be when they come back. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for them, always playing away without a home side. I mean, I know a crowd isn't everything to a game, but it definitely helps bolster people's confidence. And, and um, yeah, it's going to be a bit different for them. Well, the interesting thing, um, obviously having spoken to a few people at Freo recently, 
Uh, a lot of the players saw their round three game against Adelaide last year as like a real team bonding thing. And that was the week mm. where they got told, oh, pack your bags. You're going on the road. We don't know how long. Yeah. Um, and they went to Adelaide. They played against Adelaide, had never beaten them before. Yeah. Beat them. I think it was 7-1 to 1-7. And then we're told they were going home the next day. So, <laughs> you know, it was this kind of tumultuous week for them, but they performed. Um, yeah. I think we can back Freo into because we know that they're a, a strong group with their chemistry, but how long does that last? Eight weeks is two months of your time when you work part-time and have to take leave. You know, it's a difficult thing to do. Families, kids, all that sort of stuff. And then the COVID pressure on top of it. Um, But if there's a team that um, I think will benefit from being on the road, it's Frio. Yeah, I think it'll be a challenge, but one that they will rise to. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the other fixture update brought us way earlier than anticipated, but the uh, grand final rematch between Adelaide and Brisbane. So that's going to be played at Hickenbotham Oval on uh, Sunday, January 9th at 2.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or 1.40 at Australian Central Standard Time. This is the grand final rematch. I don't think anyone anticipated to have it round one, but um, here we are bearing gifts. Last time Adelaide and Brisbane played off in a grand final, they met again in round one the following year, and it's properly happening again. <laughs> it's uh, in the head-to-head, Brisbane's actually up 4-2. So everyone sees Adelaide as this super dominant team, which they have been, but Brisbane are in fact ahead in the ledger here after their six um, matches against each other. Yeah, And Brisbane's coming off their maiden premiership, obviously, as well. They're both very clever well-drilled, well-structured sides, especially in defense. You'll notice that their defense will um, set up really well behind the ball, both sides, which makes it almost a tug-of-war type game. But then they also both have that that player that can break out and go on a run. So Stevie Lee Thompson or Orla O'Dwyer are probably the, the key players in terms of that as well. So they'll be looking to break the lines if they're stuck in the back half, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is neither side has changed drastically. So obviously Adelaide's without Sheer or Foley, Brisbane's without Zilkia and Arnell, but realistically the bulk of the side looks very similar. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be too far away from the arm wrestle that we saw in the grand final. I'm really curious having watched the Brisbane Lions Gold Coast Suns practice match and it's incredibly evident when you know to look for it, but the way that the Lions play where it's a real team effort and, you know, like one percenters team sacrifice approach how do the Crows play to counter that? Is it just player on player, tight marking and always on? Or, you know, like that's, a, it seems to me that's a really hard thing to defend against. Yeah. So, and again, that's something we saw in the grand final is that those one percenters, particularly knowing when or when not to take possession is really hard to through the middle of the ground in particular, which means Brisbane gain ground um, in ways that other teams find it really hard to stop. So, Interestingly enough, um, because of, I, th- I think in part because of that. So if you don't know whether they're going to take possession or not, it's much harder to tackle a player, isn't it? So yeah. Brisbane laid the most tackles in AFLW history last year with 685. They were also against the, the three lowest tackle counts in 2021 were against Brisbane. So effectively, if you're a defender or if you're the player without the ball and you don't know if a player is going to tap it 
or take possession, you have to wait that millisecond before you can tackle them. Yeah, because you can't tackle without the ball. By then, the decision's already been made. So that has seen them move the ball, maybe not prettily, um, but effectively through the middle of the ground to then hold that territory. And if you re-watch the grand final, they do that. There's a moment where Emily Bates punches the ball while she's on the ground that ends up creating the the Lauren Arnell goal. And that kind of exemplifies what Brisbane do with this one percenter thing. So I think that's the thing to watch out for. And I'm sure that's something Adelaide's thinking about how to counteract this time around. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really impressive thing to watch. And and yeah, like I said, once you know to look for it, you can see them doing it in almost every play. It's fantastic. Mm. Our next Sunday game is Carlton v Collingwood. Uh, obviously one that I'm particularly interested in, uh, but it'll be at Princess Park on Sunday, Jan 9 at 10 past four Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time. My hope is that it's going to be a game where Carlton come out firing. Typically in last year's season, we saw them kind of go to sleep in that first quarter and then play a catch up for an entire game. Their practice match saw them kick three unanswered goals in the first quarter. So I'm hoping that's been turned around. How do you reckon they're going to go against Collingwood? Um, Really interesting thing to note about Carlton and Collingwood from last year. Um, And I haven't put this on the prep sheet, so (laughs) sorry. Carlton scored, I think it's over 30% of their scores in 2021 in third quarters last year. Yeah. Collingwood conceded over 30% of their score in third quarters last year. So should that pattern remain it'll be a good third quarter that will be the time that Carlton makes the move you know what I mean so and and this is what we saw in round one last year Collingwood holds control dominate scoreboard but maybe don't put the points on in the first half Carlton have a good third quarter and then it creates a really tense final quarter the thing with Carlton is they've recruited to have that rebounding run out of defense type structure mm-hmm. which is all well and good provided pressure up the field that doesn't catch a defense out when the ball gets turned over and then it can just go over the top yeah which is what kept happening to them last year so ideally they will see um, a bit more pressure upfield they can use those runners so a harrington a lalawifi even an annie lee who's um, been recruited yeah those players can play that role feeling confident that the ball's not going to go back over their heads um whereas and then collingwood found a little bit of that last year with ruby schleicher very much playing that rebound running role. And then you have a Stacey Livingston who rebounds in a different way with her really long kick out of there. So that's the way they kind of play out of the defense into that, into that kind of clash in the middle, whichever team I think can do that best will be in the box seat in this one. In regards to the blues defense, how, I mean, and obviously the pies have picked up Sabrina Frederick how do you think the Blues defence will be able to handle that forward lineup now that they have essentially that missing piece of the puzzle, someone to be that key forward up front? I think, yeah, it is. It's a great get for Collingwood. I think it helps them structurally a lot. Charlotte Wilson will probably get, presuming she's playing, will probably get Sabrina Frederick. Charlotte Wilson, mm-hmm. I would back her in. But again, Carlton needs that support. Can't be coming in quickly because that's going to. Yeah cause the defense all sorts of worries. So it's not the defensive line that I'm concerned about for Carlton. It's the support they get up the field. If, if the support up the field can kind of stop that really quick inside 50s, I think that Carlton defensive line can handle it. I just don't know that that support is going to be at the level it needs to be. Because then you think Sabrina Frederick, she doesn't have to kick all the goals herself, but 
you know, a Chloe Malloy roving off that pack or, you know, Sophie Alexander is another key forward that can take marks. There's all these sorts of other players that can come in. Sarah Rowe is really dangerous. Ashling Sheridan, really dangerous. As long as Sabrina Frederick is equaling it in the air, yeah, there's a lot to be concerned about. And I would back in the Collingwood forward line at this point, and that's the first time I've ever said that in my life. Wash your mouth out. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. They've got a really good arsenal of players who can effectively crumb off anything up front and, and be incredibly dangerous. Switching ends, what's going to be happening with Carlton's forward pack? Who's the focal point for them? That's what my question is. So do you do you throw Jess Good and Imogen Milford there as your key focal points? One of them will have to play on Stacey Livingston, which is a particularly difficult thing to have to do. Yeah. Um, and hope that they can at least equal it so Vessio, Stevens, G can get involved at ground level. I know that Vessio and Stevens are both really strong contested marks and can be that lead up forward, but I don't know that you'll get the most out of them if they are the number one and number two. So they need someone else that can do it, but their options are relatively inexperienced. I'm not saying they can't do it, but you are you are taking a risk by putting a debutante in there as your focal point. Well, it's a it's a rough debut if you have to match up against Stacey Livingston. Too. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Stacey Livingston. I, I think she played a hundred percent of game time since sometime in 2018. I think it is. I've got to double check that stat, but. You know, she's she's on you all game. You come off, you you get a break from her, and then you come straight back on, and she's there still. And then she does have that really long kick. So she, she wins the ball, and then she gets it pretty far away from you from any chance. So that's my only concern is chuck an Imogen Milford or a Jess Good into that role. Hope that they can withstand it, that it provides you a chance to crumb off that pack. Okay, so here we go. I've got the stat. Since round five, 2019, Stacey Livingston has played 100% of game time. She's an absolute workhorse. I just take my hat off to that. It's incredible. I think that's the longest right now. I, I mean, I might tweet later um, if anyone's got more than that, but I'm fairly sure she's the one. I, I'm curious to see how Harford wants to make that work. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm excited. It's going to be a good game. Um, it's always uh, a really fiery contest between um, the Pies and the Blues too. So our final game to round out round one is the Gold Coast Suns hosting GWS at Great Barrier Reef Arena up in Mackay on Sunday, Jan 9 at 6.10 Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time or 5.10 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Giants have a chance to really make a statement here. They've had an interesting list rebuild, as we've discussed previously. There's a lot of good names in there, and it just comes down to how they stack them up on the day. What do you what do you think? Who, who are we going to see? So, fun thing. Um, the only round one the, uh, win that the Giants have ever had was against Gold Coast in 2020, where they won by one point in that, like, monsoon game. Yes. Now they're coming up against a Sun side that has had a, very interrupted lead into the season. Um, the Giants have an opportunity to really kickstart their season for the first time really ever. Mm. They have really struggled early in seasons. Obviously last year they had some issues that they had faced that other teams did not. So, you know, you give them a little bit of leeway, but at what point do you start to see the Giants are not quite getting it right? So I think this is their opportunity to change that narrative. Yeah, um, They'll also be unveiling, you know, Chloe Dalton, who's a great runner. She's a, a really important outside player when it comes to ball movement and also able to apply that pressure. 
So I think Dalton is a big one. I assume Grierson will be picked playing out of that half back line. Again, we don't have teams yet, but Grierson's ball use is in the top, you know, 5% of the competition. Her kick is really exceptional. So if they can use yeah. the bit of that composure to replace what an Al Bennett's or a Jess Dalpoz might've given them, um, I think that could be really helpful. They need to learn not to just rely on Alita and Rebecca Beeson in that midfield. And I think coming up against Gold Coast midfield that we don't know what the makeup's going to be, but isn't a super strong midfield. They've got components, but they don't necessarily have as much support as they need to do it as well as they can. Um, I think this is a chance for some other mids to kind of step up and say, hey, I'm also here. It's not just those two. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see what that lineup looks like on the day. And hopefully, uh, unlike their last time in round one, it's going to be a bit drier and a bit warmer. Just humid as heck. Yeah. And I mean, it is in Mackay. That's subtropical. They could get rain. Who knows? That's where Lauren Bell is from. Yeah. And um, how do the Suns field a team? I mean, we know in the last week that they've announced that they've got five players who are COVID positive. We know what protocols look like, especially um, updated protocols across the country. Is this going to be a common challenge for teams as we move through the rounds? Oh, it's absolutely going to be a, an issue all the way through the competition. Unfortunately, you know, mm. it's how our governments have decided to manage this. So it's something we've got to get used to facing. The AFL's put out rules in terms of COVID positive cases, how many players must be available to for the game to go ahead, that sort of stuff. Five cases, I believe they were positive mid last week. They only have to isolate for seven days. And if they're not super symptomatic or not affected by it, there's no reason they can't play. Yeah. And we don't know which players they are. We've just got to wait to see teams get announced. But I think it's a really good test case for just how the season is going to go. We're going to see players that we really love miss games because they have to isolate or they've tested positive and it's just the way life is. I mean, people in the media are also dealing with that as well. Mm. I think we've got to not get really riled up about it. We've just kind of got to accept it, hope the people that test positive are okay and see how it continues to move on because the the worst case scenario would be like 2020 where everything just gets called off and we don't get a season. So I think, you know, fixture changes are going to happen. Changes in lineups are going to happen and we can't get too mad about it because the reality is it's that or there's no footy. And I'm going to take that over no footy. Um, it, is, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think last I read too, which might have been yesterday, they were all either um, asymptomatic or little to no symptoms. So that's that's a good sign. Yeah, and we have to remember that all players that are playing this year are vaccinated, fully vaccinated. So, you know, it's the way life is right now, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And we just moved through it. But can we talk a little bit about Tori Gross-Little? We absolutely can. I suspect they will become a really dangerous goal kicker or a attacking player for the Suns this year. Sarah Perkins, sure, she's there, but she requires delivery. And that's not something I trust the Suns to do regularly or, or consistently. Kalinda Howarth is going to be playing a bit in defense. Maddie Levi is inactive. I think Tori Groves Little has the components to actually become really dangerous. And we saw that in the practice match. They're really agile. They're smart collecting the ball and they're at a level of fitness now that they can kind of put in that effort consistently throughout a game. I think that they are someone to keep an eye on 
for this season for the Suns because it might be a tough season for them, but there will be bright spots and I think they will be one. Yeah, absolutely. They really uh, showed their stripes in that practice match. It was it was quite uh, impressive to see. And I think, you know, you mentioned Sarah Perkins. It's great to have that key forward, but it's also really important to have the support around that. So it will free up either player to have a crack at goals. And, you know, more than anything, we want to see teams like the Suns build a solid foundation so that they just keep getting better and better across the rounds and across the seasons. But be willing to get up Charlie Rowbottom at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. You're you're one season away from switching your allegiance, I know. I am just very excited. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I realized that we probably should have tipped as we were talking about each game, but I guess we can just tip all at once now. Yeah. All right. Tips for the games of round one. Season Nightmares and Kilda Richmond, who are you going for? I'm going with Richmond and I'm going with Richmond by 12 points. Ooh, I'm going to back in St Kilda as a uh, <laughs> a loyal member, but I think it's going to be a really close game. So oh, maybe a goal. North Melbourne, Geelong? Uh, North Melbourne, I think they'll win by 30. Yeah, look, I'm inclined to agree with you there. It was it was a pretty strong showing on a scoring front uh, in the practice. So, yeah, uh, North Melbourne for me. And I'm going to say 27. 27. Hmm. Um, yeah, Talia Randall also likely to play full forward, which is fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Didn't even mention that before. Love a switch up. Uh, Western Bulldogs, Melbourne. Look, I'm going to tip Melbourne by 10 points in this one. Oof. I'm going to back in the doggies. Shameful. <laughs> hey, come on. Provided they uh, bring out some amazing up and under footy, I think they'll get the edge. Um, it's going to be a close one. I'm going to say two goals. 12 isn't close. Also, 12 has only ever happened twice in the history of AFL. W. I'm just thinking two sneaky goals when they need it could be the difference. From who? The dogs. Oh, which players? Oh, McLeod for sure. And maybe Huntington. All right. Or a captain's goal from, from Ellie. See what happens. 
Yeah. See you there. Uh, Frio versus West Coast? I'm going to tip Frio by one. Ooh. I'm going to flip that and go West Coast by one just because I love an underdog and I was impressed with what they did last practice match. Can't wait to get messages about my tip. (laughs) Probably about a few of these games, actually. Adelaide, Brisbane? I'm tipping Brisbane by four points. Okay. Yeah, look, I think uh, it's going to be really tight. I'm going to go with Brisbane as well. I'll go four points too. Oh, copy. Yeah, it feels like a sound tip. Carlton Collingwood? Should make you tip first. Go on. Okay. Well, obviously Carlton. I'm going to say I reckon by a goal. I think it'll be tight. All right, I'm going Collingwood by 20. I look forward to you eating your words on that. We'll see. Uh, and finally, Gorka Suns versus the Giants. Go on. Well, Giants, I think so. I think we might see some good stuff from the Suns, but ultimately I think the Giants, it's now or never. They've got to start the season off strong. Three goals over the Suns. 18 points. I'm going to go the Giants by 25. Nice. If you want to join us with tipping, actually, uh, we have tweeted out our footy actually tipping competition. Um, you can also find it. Cal is going to include the tipping link in the show notes yep. and join us in the tipping comp. I am notoriously bad at remembering to put my tips in. I feel like I should flag that now. I will <laughs> always put them in the podcast. I'll do them during the week. Very rarely do I remember to actually put my tips in, but don't let that be you. Um, we might come up with a little prize to send to the person that wins. So jump on board. Nice one. And I should flag that I tip very flippantly. Obviously. Yeah, I think that's clear by now. I once I once had a friend who tipped based on the strength of an animal in the competition. So like if you had a dragon versus a rooster, uh, she would pick the dragon because it would be stronger than a rooster, which is a very, very odd way to tip. I don't think it really helped. Yeah, look, um, the swans are really good. You probably wouldn't back in a swan against a tiger, would you? No, probably not. And you'd always be picking the sun. Yeah, true. That's also true. (laughs) Don't use that technique, friends. Well, that's a wrap on our preview of round one, the AFLW season 2022. If you'd like to follow along with us this season, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at row underscore Kel and also at play on Radio Melb. Jem, what's your Twitter handle? I'm at JL Bastiani. Come to me for stats and fun. Yeah, that's all I tweet. Stats and fun, apparently. Yeah, don't come to me for tipping unless you want to laugh. <laughs> but yeah, definitely join our tipping competition. As I said, I'll sort out a prize for the winner. I can't promise what it is yet. I've got something in mind, but just join for fun and tweet at us when you get more tips than we do. Excellent, which should probably likely, for me at least, be every week. Um, but I enjoy the banter. <laughs> Well, that's it from us for now. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Footy Actually. Bye.